Welcome to The Morning Crew, a grief podcast hosted by three gals in their mid-20s. Here, talking about grief is completely normal and a part of our everyday life. So grab a cup of coffee or a drink. Grief conversations can actually be that casual. So let's talk about it. Welcome, everybody. We are kind of doing an extension of our last episode, and um, we kind of left off on a topic, so we kind of wanted to just dive into that into this week's episode, but before we begin, wanted to see if there were any updates from the weekend, but also, I actually have one, so I'll just start. (laughs) I was getting flowers for a like get well flowers for somebody's parent. And I, when I went to the flower shop, like he he asked me what the flowers were for, what kind of flowers I was looking for. um, The person who was working at the florist and I immediately said sympathy flowers, but I guess I meant to say get well flowers. And so then the whole time he's like, oh my gosh, I'm so sorry. And I'm like, oh, it's it's all okay. Like, it's all good. And I was like, why is he like saying so sorry? Like, I don't know. I thought it was very weird. And then we were discussing what flowers to get. And he's like, traditionally, I think you get like the all white. And here I am like thinking like, oh, forget wallflowers. Like you also get all white too. And I was like, yeah, I feel like she, um, I don't know, like, I don't know, should I get all white? And he was like, I think it's a little depressing. And like, maybe you should add some color in there. It would look really nice if you have some color. And I was like, yeah, I think that she would like some color too. And at the end, he, when I'm paying for them, he was like, so who passed? And I was like, oh my God, no, like these are get well flowers. I totally misspoke. And, but I just thought it was so interesting that he was like, don't get the all white. And I immediately also thought like, that is, that is super depressing. Like I know it's definitely a little triggering almost in a sense. And it just made me think of like how in the future, if that is something that you're going to send to somebody, maybe you opt for like the more colorful ones and then they stand out and it's something like bright to look forward to or to to see at home. But I just thought it was really funny because it was very like mixed messages the whole time until the end. And then I had to clarify, but I got a little takeaway from it. That is so interesting. I, I, I'm like, I'm wondering how, how often that guy asks those kinds of questions that like, maybe you shouldn't ask or, but also how do you not ask? Um, that is actually hilarious. Um, but I'm intrigued and glad that you had that experience, I guess. Um, (laughs) I know it was a little abrupt that he was like, who passed? Because I was like, what if it was someone really close to me? And that would have like, unleashed all of this emotion. But um, thankfully, that wasn't the case. But yeah, curious about that, too. I also feel like that is a good takeaway tip, though, because I also remember that when people did send flowers that were like really colorful and vibrant, they stood out. Obviously, anyone sending any flowers. But thinking back, I actually don't think we got a lot of white flowers. I feel like people did do a good job of sending like different color bouquets and different types like it made the house look insane. Like, right. Like there was like 25 bouquets of like different colored flowers and we have like enough vases to last us a lifetime. But I think that's interesting. And I think it's interesting, like the way you were thinking of get well flowers is traditionally looked at as like very positive, like you're healing, things are good, you're heading in the right direction. And sympathy flowers have like, layers and layers of like loaded emotion to overanalyze and I do think he was probably prying a little bit but funny for the story it's also interesting because so I don't know that I've mentioned this to you guys but when uh, my papa passed away we had taken some of the funeral flowers um and gotten them made somehow into like jewelry which was really cool so like I we all got to pick out a piece and I got and there you can't really tell they're flowers. Um I'm 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 happy to share a photo of my necklace I have. But it is just like a turquoise circle and it is made from the flowers that were at his funeral. And my, you know, my cousin has a um a ring that was pink. So it's kind of fun to think about the fact that like those were flowers that were colorful and kind of something that I didn't really think about or even realize on the day because everything else was so bleak. But like we still have those 
those souvenirs. That sounds so so weird to say, but like a souvenir. We still have something that was like touching what was there. Um, I also have, <laughs> yeah. I'm looking at it right now, like there was a, a pillow-ish thing that was like a heart that was on um, the, the casket and it said Papa Mac on it, which is like what we called my grandfather. And so like, I still have that too. So it's kind of interesting to think that like, when those things happen, you don't really think about it. But then now, I mean, it's how many years later and I still have all of those little remnants of things that people sent. So it's interesting. Yeah, that is so beautiful. I've never heard of anything like that and so unique. And I feel like is a great kind of like tidbit for listeners too, if that's something that like you can do with the flowers and also just coincides with like getting the more vibrant ones because it probably will make for even prettier jewelry. Yeah, it was really, really cool. Um, and I'm, I'm happy to ask my aunt too and see kind of how she found it or what the website is to share with you guys or our listeners. Um, but I remember it was really cool. And it's interesting because like I was saying, like my stuff is turquoise and my cousins is pink and my sister's is red. And so kind of with the flowers, um, and I'm sure somebody got something white along the lines, but, um, and you wouldn't really know, like I said, that they're flowers that were kind of pressed and dried and and I digress, but it's kind of a good way to save uh, those those memories and make something out of something that you wouldn't really expect. Um, so yeah, that's it's interesting to, to hear about and to think that you know the colorfulness and the the vibrance. It, it is it does kind of is kind of a, a happy thing. Yeah, I really really like that, and I will be looking for that in the future. I think if I need to, um, but. Also wanted to ask you guys if there are any updates from the weekend or just your past week. Mads, any updates? Yeah, um, I know I texted you guys, but I had a very sweet moment. I was sitting on my computer and I was mentoring um, this friend of mine on something about about her future career and I kept getting my phone kept ringing and I looked and it was it kept saying Uncle Ken FaceTime and I was like I didn't. I didn't know that that that's that was my grandpa's brother um and I didn't even really realize he knew how to FaceTime but he just kept calling me (laughs) and so I finally like hung up with her and answered and it was really sweet of course his finger was over the lens and he was trying to figure out how to talk but he was calling because he knew that it was coming up on a year or two years of um my grandpa passing away and he was just thinking of us and I thought that was really sweet um because I know I've, I've mentioned him before on the podcast he's the one who I went up and sat with and kind of spent the funeral with and that's how we kind of reignited our relationship um but it was really sweet that he like tried to FaceTime and he was talking to me about how he was asking his grand his grandson how to FaceTime so we could connect and it was very sweet um and he also sent me a card today that I got and it was it was an envelope uh, with two different cards in it and one had a sticky note for my mom for me to get to my mom and one had one for me and my sister which I thought was very sweet and thoughtful um, and just kind of shows that even you know ages time distance relationship it all is still very present with everyone not just us which is kind of fun to not fun but it's a bad word to say um, it's kind of a weird, a weird, bitterish, sweet feeling to know that it's on other people's minds too, not just mine all the time when I talk with you ladies. Um, but it was very, it was very sweet all, all across from the, um, from the the fate the rogue face five facetimes to the the card was very sweet to to realize that those were memories being remembered. The FaceTime screenshots were like the most wholesome things <laughs> you will ever see. I actually want you to post that on social because it was just so sweet. But I super resonate with what you said at the end there, Mads, that it's like it's very bittersweet to know that other people really think about that person too. Like more on the sweet, obviously, because it helps you feel less alone and it helps you feel like it's a nice thought to know how many people's lives they impacted, but it also, the, the bitter part is just that like other people are saddened by this or other people also feel the loss or also feel the whole. And like, just because I'm going through that doesn't mean I want all these other people to needing to be going through that. So it is kind of an interesting one. And then I'm sure this continues, but for every year it passes, like for as far further away from the actual day of passing, you kind of feel like more and more people do forget or it's not as top of mind and like to no fault of anyone else. So for you, Mads, to be now 
decent amount of years out and to still have the card, the FaceTime call, like true deep thought. And like, he almost feels like clearly like responsible to help like continue that for you guys. Um, I think is really sweet, but I think that feeling it's like bittersweet is not quite exactly right. Cause it is more sweet, but I think it's as close of a word as we have. So I definitely get what you're feeling, Mads. Yeah, it was, and it was fun too because not fun. It, it just you know the word. It was it was a sweet moment, and I was the whole time we were talking. I was I took those screenshots and I was ready to share them with you guys, and I'll absolutely post them and share them with the crew whenever we get this uploaded. But um, I, yeah, I just thought it was a very sweet moment. But in the bitterish part of it was I started to kind of think about what we were talking about with our last episode, um, which is terrible and anxiety anxiety ridden but I started thinking like that is his brother who passed away like I, it kind of started taking me down that spiral that we were talking about about how it always kind of sometimes it happens you're like I'm every you know and not in the best way but like you know you're gonna lose people and that it starts giving you anxiety about like when you know my sister has something wrong and obviously it's a terrible thought and feeling um but even that it kind of still brought me back to that kind of grief spiral after the end of it was just kind of like oh, like he lost his brother and I'm gonna, it, it kind of started that spiral. And so I know we were talking about the um, anxiety and kind of a lot of the the things that, that you know, um, come from it and, and are hard to figure out in the, the layers of um, moving on from the grief. Um, so I know, Kath, you had a lot that, that was kind of on your mind that we didn't get to completely cover because as always, we started talking and we filled up our hour, <laughs> which I love that we do. Um, but Kath, if you want to kind of take it from here and intro into um, what we were discussing, because I kind of still felt that feeling, even though I was having that sweet moment, I kind of had that hidden anxiety in the back of my head that I'm still going to have loss that is great and scary. Yeah, I think um, so for those that don't know, last episode, we kind of touched on like waiting for the shoe to drop in certain so many different aspects of our life and how grief has kind of like almost molded us to think like that sometimes where we're kind of waiting for that other shoe to drop. And one of the things for me is like when I think about that and what I mentioned at the end of the podcast was kind of now that you've gone through this really tough loss and and very um very close to you like a loss that was for somebody who was really close to you it almost made me think about what will the next one feel like and like who will it, who would it be and what could be worse than this and again i feel like that kind of goes into like the pessimistic thinking and the anxiety and the mental health of it all that we kind of um, elaborated on on the previous episodes. But for it is just kind of a thought that occurs in the back of my mind. And I think like the minute almost that you lose one person so close to you, that feeling gets so much more real. Like it's, and I've talked to other people about it too, actually about an example is like, having lost a sibling or a parent or a cousin or a grandparent, you automatically have the thought of like, it could happen to this other person now, or it like, when will it happen to this other person? Am I going to be prepared for that time when it comes? It's like, when's the next domino going to fall almost? And obviously nothing can fully prepare you, but it can be kind of like a spiral to go down if you keep thinking about like, for example, for me, I'm like, well, what's going to happen? Like when my mom passes or like when, and this is getting dark and deep, but like at one point, and I'm kind of laughing about it now because it seems so silly, but I was like, will I be an orphan? Like, because I don't have siblings. And like, if that did happen for some godforsaken reason when I was really young I thought I that was a real thought that I had at one point granted I I knew I would be okay and I had family and stuff but I was really young when it happened so I was like thinking like worst case scenario about what could happen um and like I would just have like daydreams sometimes I remember as a kid thinking like if that happens like what am I gonna do where am I gonna go like I would go into like crisis mode it's so crazy to think about. So I know that was me as a kid. And I still think about 
today that like how I'm going to be prepared for when that happens. Um, but I think as an adult, it's a much different perspective than I had when I was a kid. But I'm curious to kind of hear your guys' thoughts. Well, thank you for sharing. I don't know why you just flashed like the movie Annie in my mind. I don't know if you watched (laughs) Annie or if like that helped make it more top of mind for you because in a weird way, it's like you maybe wouldn't really know what an orphan was as a kid, but there's like all these Disney movies and things that like made it a thing. So I wonder if that helps sensationalize it. That's probably why. Yes. And I, and I just want to say like, I fully understand I have, I am grateful for so many blessings in my life. And I do think that I would have people to take care of me and family. And I'm very fortunate to have that. I just think like that was a very, for some reason, real feeling at the time. No, totally, totally. Um, I loved the movie Annie. So now it's making me rethink my love of the movie Annie. And like we'd play the CD in the car and now it just feels kind of fucked up. Um, But no, no, no. I appreciate you sharing I think what you brought up at the end of the last episode and the reason we are are actually making a whole other episode about it, we didn't just say that, is because this anxiety is really real. And people who have never experienced a massive loss have that like anxiety, that anticipatory anxiety that a loss could happen. And that's just exemplified on a whole different playing field, I think, when you are in our shoes and you have already experienced like a massive, massive loss. I think I remember a couple things like I was moved back to San Francisco. So it was like at least a few months after she passed. And I want to say there was either like a day my dad wasn't like texting us back or like he got a cold or something and like wasn't texting us back. And I got really on edge and was like texting my sister on the side, like what's happening? Why is he not responding? And my sister like called me out on it. She's like, what do you think something's happened? Like he's fine. And so I definitely had was like on edge about it because it was so front of mind, like this thing that you never think could happen. Once it happens, it like shatters your view. And now you feel like everything's fair game. Um, And like true story, I also now have my dad on find my friends. He doesn't have me, but I have him on find my friends because I'm like, I just need that peace of mind of being able to see and like know where he is. Um, so like that definitely has come up and it's just something, yeah, I mean, they're dark, sad thoughts, but I think we'd be doing this podcast a disservice if we didn't take the time to like hit on them. Um, yeah, it's like I had my grandpa passed away and my Nana is slowly, um, unfortunately like declining a bit and like that's super top of mind of like okay, always like their presence was always so huge in my life. And like losing one is one thing, but losing both of them and like as a unit in their house and like all the things that trigger like when she passes away and like that anticipatory grief of like, as we talked about, like our health episode, like watching someone's health decline, you know, other grandparents. And then I'll talk about this more later, but like Mads, even you mentioned, even with sister, like somebody Mm -hmm. who really it appears that there's no imminent threat, but like you said, it just opens the doors of your brain of like the what ifs that much more. Absolutely. Kels, thank you for sharing as well. I know that that is that anxiety that you have about, you know, your dad not texting you back is actually a very real thing that I feel. And I didn't really realize it until the other day I had had something where like my mom wasn't getting back to me and I was kind of melting down a little bit. And all of my friends and family, like we do share each other on Find My Friends. Like I can see them, they can see me. Um, and I was like freaking out. And then I finally got a hold of my mom because she wasn't answering. She wasn't texting back, whatever. And she was like, I'm so sorry. You get that from me. Like I started just like spiraling about the fact that I didn't hear back. And so it kind of, st- and then it led me down another road that was like, is this because of my mom? Is this because that we talk about like grief and death all the time? Is this because I just get anxious and go down these, these rabbit holes? But I had an an instance that happened actually this last week that I have a very, very close friend in town and her name is Sarah. And, um, I 
we're very close. We see each other all the time. We talk all the time. I have her on Find My Friends. I love her partner. She lives with him. And I just kind of went down this anxiety spiral that something was going to happen to her specifically and he couldn't get a hold of me because like I'm not always on like my phone afterwards and like we only are connected on social media so much so that I literally messaged him on Instagram and like made sure we had each other's phone numbers because that was the way that I could like fall asleep was to know like if something were to happen to her or if something were to happen to me and I needed to get a hold of her, I could just text him. So it was interesting that like that even even like you said, Kels, like the sisterhood, like the things that that you don't expect. Um, and even though we talk about the levels of loss and that it, well, I haven't had a great everyday loss and I know that um, we discussed that, but I still – it's just the fact that I think I feel the thing so big and it's so scary to me and so unknown that I still have that even with my non-family now and people that I'm very close with. And I literally saw her the next day and I was like, I have to tell you that I slid in your boyfriend's DMs last night because that was the only <laughs> way to calm my heart and be like – like and she was like oh my god no that makes total sense like I get that too but like for some reason I just kind of am able to spiral um in that way so I I I know that feeling very well Kelsey like I said it's kind of been popping up more and I also I think it's something to note that um Kathy you were mentioning you know do you like when you were little you were like will I be an orphan will this happen and I think we could go into a whole other topic about this and whole other episode but it is interesting when Kel said you know brought up Annie and like there's and this is a little bit older for us but like Nemo had didn't have his he dealt with loss and like up and like the little mermaid didn't have a mom so it's just frozen. Like, frozen yeah so it's just really interesting how you guys and I'd be curious Kath to like go into you go into that topic with you in a different pod because I don't want to pivot from um, this important conversation we've been trying to have, but I would be curious to to bring up later if that how that mimics and kind of how that also plays into, you know, you when you were little and dealing with the loss of your dad. But um, that was it was very interesting you said that, Kels, because I know that anxiety even when it there's no real reason for it. Like Sarah's healthy, she's fine. We talk every day. Like I have her on find my friends. It's it still happens to me. So it was interesting that you said that. It's funny. Like I don't think. I realized that dead parent storyline in Disney movies up until like probably like when Frozen came out, I think is when I like started noticing how glaringly like it's everywhere in Disney Channel channel shows. Disney loves dead parents. Yes. (laughs) Yes. Right. Right. And then it's always like the one parent is still around and they allude to like the loss of the other parent, which is so interesting that they do that. Like, I wonder if there's a reason for that or why. Um, And it's been going on for decades that they've been doing that. But I never thought about it when I was younger, actually. I don't think I thought about it until, like, I was older. Um, But, yeah, definitely a lot to, like, unpack there and probably, like, why there's no surprise why The Lion King is my favorite movie. And, like, it made so much sense, like, 10 years later. (laughs) Like, okay, that makes sense. Um, But regardless of that, yes, I do think – it, it we all kind of have that like in the anxiety I really think because we've went through that loss of like just waiting or like just being scared that something bad is gonna happen to anyone we love or just kind of hearing like bad news like as a really silly example too when somebody texts me with just my name first and like I don't know what they're gonna follow up with it next I'm already on such uh, on the edge of my seat like so scared about what the news is I think because we've been used to like hearing bad news before like so and then for me like so often with other family members too and so I always get kind of like triggered by that and it'll always be like my friend saying you know bravo drama (laughs) or like something that is like actually not serious and which I think is so because it's like we're trying to be in a funny way serious right about non-serious stuff um but I think it's so interesting that that just my seeing my name in a text like triggers me no and there are like actual studies about like with people being glued to a 24-hour news cycle right and like how much anxieties go up with people because like in all my media studies classes and stuff like all of this came up right like back in the day there was like your evening news that everyone watched the same thing and now it's like they actually have to fill the time they know that those like attention grabbing, negative, scary sounding headlines get you to watch and to stay connected. So like, I mean, think about how popular all these like murder shows and 
murder podcasts and murdery books and like everything that all these people love. Like I actively avoid them. And I feel like I'm in the minority for like females that I like choose not to listen to it because I'm like, I don't want to be more on edge about something happening. Like at that point, I actually feel ignorance is bliss. And in my free time, I'm not going to engage in that. But I also feel like society as a whole, so intensifying whether you have been through massive grief or not, I feel like is making us all more on edge. And like being able, like you said, in the situations, like somebody's texting you and you guys have, and me too, we have no reason to believe something bad could have happened, but because we're constantly reading about things or like, you know, the college kids that were like stabbed in their house in the middle of nowhere. And it's like, of course, awful things have always happened and will always happen, but they're being in our face like 24 seven. So of course we're like thinking about them more. Yeah. Kels, I know we can definitely relate on that. Cause I, when I went to journalism school, it was the same thing. And I remember they're like, everyone's a journalist. Like you can get on Instagram or Twitter and see someone post a crash on the corner before the news reporter can get there and do it. Um, and it does kind of get you in that cycle of just like expecting or waiting. And I also agree with you that I don't really, um, I'm not the murder mystery podcast girly um, because it's too much for me. I'm like, there's just so much on edge. And uh, I have to go back, pivot to back to what Kathy said as well, because I've already been guilty of that because when I do have real life things, I do turn to you too. Um, and so typically I <laughs> try to talk about like non-real life things actually out of the group chat because I feel like when I'm like, oh my God, Kathy. And she she's like, oh my God, are you okay? Like what's happening? And I'm like, no, did you see that? Tom cheated on so and like it's just it's it is bravo and so like it's I've I almost tried in my head to like when I have real life things to text you guys about it in the group chat because we also have that time difference so sometimes I wake up and like I'm at lunchtime before you guys can get back to me and so I have tried to be very cautious because it is like I am dramatic and I am it is funny like when we kind of act like you know I was just saying Kels is asking me about why I've been so stressed and I was making a joke about how my friends on Bravo have been going through some some scandals um and so I try to make that different difference whenever we're talking about something or if we are trying to connect about something deeper that I do that in the group chat versus individual because I try to like not I've definitely caught myself doing that already and I'm like emergency like no it's not actually an emergency like this is literally just me being stupid because I know that you guys would like drop whatever and call me and so I'm trying to I it's, it's funny that since we do have such a virtual relationship that like I've also found myself in that space um I I had to chuckle a little bit when when Kath mentioned that because I've definitely already been in a space where I'm like shit I can't just text her and say like the red siren emoji for something stupid like this is ridiculous <laughs> like it is funny to kind of figure out how to how and when to, you know, make make the make the text or the call. So I try to always keep my serious things with both of you at the same time. <laughs> Definitely appreciate it. And yeah, it's like hit us with a siren, but then hit us right after with whatever is happening. So we're not waiting on it. Um, but I will say this is also reminding me of kind of what my sister was asking me about in her episode, um, because she would sometimes deliver some pretty big news kind of big, sad, scary news to me bluntly, like over text and not to say that she did anything wrong or could have done anything different. It was like, that was the nature of the situation. And I was, you know, she was dealing with her stuff. I was dealing with myself. Like that was the way to convey it. And as we know, there's no like great way to like convey really hard information. So there was a period where I was kind of out of nowhere getting really bad news text messages on my phone in a kind of casual way. And obviously different people have different ways of like doing it. Like from my dad, I would more so get voicemails, sometimes text messages. But as we all know, like, I mean, the older generation is like, can be just like really short with their texts anyway. And you really cannot like understand what they're saying. Um, so at least my sister could like give me a little bit more, but over text, like I had been trained to think that. And this is one thing that don't want to alarm anyone. Everything is fine. But actually interesting, this podcast is happening today. Because on Friday, um, so my sister, she talked about was a teacher. And she texted me in the middle of the day that her school was on lockdown, and she didn't know what was happening. And just kind of like, right, like, there's 
what what else is she supposed to do? She there's no better way to convey that information. And she just like texted me in the middle of the day to let me know. And it was like, okay, it was like this example, but on steroids, because there actually was like a threat or something that maybe could have happened. So it was like texting with her in a way to like, make sure she didn't feel more alarmed and anything I could think of to say that could possibly be like calming or helpful, though, obviously, she was in a shitty situation, while like simultaneously, like, refreshing Twitter to figure out like, is there any news about what's happening? Like, is this a real threat? Is it not? And just like, also working, and I had my friend visiting, but I didn't even tell her about it. I told her like days later, because I was just like, didn't know how to process it. And then obviously she is fine. Everything was fine. In a couple hours, she texted my dad and I like, oh, the lockdown's lifted. There was a threat, like an email threat, but it was like another school with a similar name. So obviously still horrible, but didn't end up impacting her. And she has young kids in kindergarten. So she didn't have to like explain things to the kindergartners, but just like her own processing. And then I actually haven't even like gotten the chance because it happened so recently to like really deep dive with her or deep dive with my dad about like what that was like in depth for her and what that was like for my dad to also just midday receive that text. Um, I'm sure that's the kind of situation that on the is probably heightened for anyone receiving it. And in a weird way, I wonder if I was able to actually stay calmer because I've dealt with like tricky, hard, heavier texts like that before and kind of knew like, okay, this is all I can control is just like texting her back things that are like comforting. Like there's literally nothing else that I can do. Um, But I thought that was an interesting one. My therapist wanted me to talk about it to process better. I had therapy earlier today. So I'm like, oh, I got a podcast today. So yeah, I can talk about it on the podcast. Um, But yeah, I was like, so obviously thank the Lord, everything's fine, but such an interesting timed event with our episode today. Yeah, absolutely. And thanks for sharing that, Kels. I know that we, one thing we have always been um, very like cohesive with is that we're both just like very close with our sisters. And so like, I know that my biggest anxiety and fear comes from something happening to Kennedy. So like, God forbid, I've been in situations that were not that scary, but where it's been kind of like, she's like, what's going on? Um, and so thank you for sharing that. I know that that is, is really scary. Um, it kind of reminded me, and it's also just a landscape we kind of are living in, but it kind of reminded me as we were talking about the find my friends of it all and kind of how we're all connected and so trained to be connected. Um, I haven't gone into it too much on the pod and I probably won't for a while, but I know you two know, um, kind of what was happening when my papa passed away. And I remember, um, one of the times that I hadn't really heard an update on it. And I knew that he was like in the hospital and I had my aunt on find my friends and I saw that she was home and I very vividly remember calling my dad and being like, hey, is everything okay? Aunt Mary's home and not at the hospital. And she's always at the hospital. And he had already passed away at that point, but they had decided to give it tell of the cousins like we were we had some people were at a wedding I had a concert out of town um, we had friends in town and so my grandma really really wanted us to all wait until Sunday till like, he passed on a Friday but he wanted us to she wanted us to like not have the 17 of us derail our weekend plans which is just selfless in itself because she knows that that would have been just like nobody would have gone to the wedding in, in a different state or I wouldn't have I was literally at the Taylor Swift reputation concert um, the day before the day after it happened and I remember we just didn't know um And so I remember calling my dad and asking him about my aunt's location. And then I remember her next, they both said that everything was fine. And then she stopped sharing her location with me, like right then. And I never got it again, which is totally fine. But I remember like when all of the kind of like outskirts were happening of it. And I, we did all know, and we did take the time to be together. I was like, pissed and I was like you guys like lied to me like but like also it's not in looking back on it now however many years later like it wasn't I get it and it wasn't like I was mad but it we're just so used to being so connected like that that the fact that I didn't see her in because um it, I, I've talked that I'm from Chicago area and so um everyone's in the burbs and the hospital is in the city and so I was like if they're not in the if the adults the adults are only in the city when it's for like medical stuff like the kids we're down there all the time but like the adults are only in the city if something's happening and so the fact that 
nobody, none of the adults I had on Find My Friends were in the city for the first time in like a week and a half. I kind of caught on before, and I didn't, I didn't, I mean, I had a feeling, but I didn't know. But I kind of remember that being once we did all figure out and reconvene, I was like, you guys fucking lied to me. Like, and, and it wasn't anyone's fault, but it was kind of just the same breath of like having the connection to be able to see where you're doing, what you're doing when you're doing it. And so I've kind of had to try to let go of some of the way that I can be connected to people in the way that I have everybody on Find My Friends and not let it always like run my brain and get down those spirals, which is something I'm learning to do. And I think we all probably are. And I think I'll probably be learning it till the day I die. But um, it's really interesting to kind of realize that even though you have those connections and you're able to connect with somebody in a second, like they're still doing what they think is best for you or they're still like, it's not like it was, it's not like my dad wanted to lie to me either. You know, it was just what kind of how it played out. Um, And obviously anyone's going to listen to the matriarch in that situation. So there's no, and there's no hard feelings about it now, but I remember being in that set, in that moment, I couldn't believe that like they were lying to me. And I was like, I know this. It's like I, I know something's going on, but looking back on it, it was just to protect me and to like do the best thing that my grandma wanted. Um, but with how connected we are, I think that that is actually now that we're talking about it, which is one of the reasons I love the podcast and recording with you guys is that like that also could kind of be why if we had to try to figure out why I spiral about not being able to get a hold of Sarah because of the same reason. So um, I remember that being the connectivity of it all being very much because I was also two and a half hours away at the time. And so I think that uh, it just was all so much more uh, real and, and scary to be able to be that connected and just trust that whoever would have the information or knew the things you wanted to know would have your back and be doing the right thing, which obviously my family always does, even if I didn't see that at the time. Um, but it kind of that kind of just came back into my brain. And I don't think I've shared that with you guys before. No, thank you for sharing both of you and for sharing also like real raw and honest feelings because I feel like it's super important to talk about like the times where you are you were angry and like those feelings were really real at the time and now maybe you have the maturity to reflect back and like appreciate why it was done out of protection for you I feel like I can relate to that on so many levels with like my grief journey and experience with loss so definitely appreciate that and then also of course Kels like also appreciate you being super honest with a new kind of experience and figuring out whether like something like that is something that you could process, how you're going to process all of that. And especially on air is very brave. Um, I will say, I feel like it's interesting when you mentioned um, being calm in response. I do think that maybe that stems a little bit from having to have dealt with such tough situations in the past. And I think it's almost like we go into our survival mode when we hear about something like really intense happening. And when I say we, I think I'm speaking on behalf of grievers. And I I, I can't obviously speak for everybody, but I, I can relate in the terms of that of like, when something intense goes on, it's almost like I get into like, okay, focus on like, I don't almost let the emotions overwhelm me at the time, because I know that I can almost like, process them at a different time and I just deal with the like now and in front of me and what I can control and I do think that it takes one probably like therapy lessons but also two like um just the fortitude that we had from our own experiences and um yeah that's just kind of that kind of reminded me about like other times where I've had to respond to hard news. Of course, it was also really hard for me too, but it almost feels like, okay, I can be a little bit more logical right now. Yes. I fully agree that like when you have sadly the reps of like, yeah, knowing how to process and deal with hard news that you have no control over and can't change, like it does just be like, well, I dealt with that thing, like dealing with this thing and this also maybe something that sounds horrible, but when you are younger or you're in a position when you haven't experienced loss and maybe you hear of like a more distant family member who's passed away, maybe that like hits harder or deeper because you haven't really experienced grief or loss. But I have to say, and again, this sounds so horrible, but like I had like my, my Nana's older brother passed away uh, last week. Um, you know, someone 
thought fondly of, like I'd see him at different family events. I wouldn't say we were that close. He was also like 91, right? Like the like end of life. And I'm sad for my Nana. And we like all had a moment and like toasted him. But that news doesn't hit me the same way anymore because I've experienced a loss so deep and so personal that I have this like thicker skin for when I hear of other people passing away or maybe when I see other things that are sad. And I'm like, in my mind, my sadometer has just like expanded <laughs> to being so much bigger that like that ends up not really hitting the, the top level anymore. And it makes me feel like I have like a cold heart or something that needs to be like warmed up. But I don't know if that is relatable to that you're just like scope or meter for those things change. And not that it's not sad and I don't feel for all of his loved ones, of course, because I know what that feels like. But it's like the way I process it is very I mean, and again, not to say I would have like collapsed in emotional distress like six years ago, but I probably would have felt it differently. Um, I want you to know, you guys know I'm always crazy about notes. Like I have two pages when we record and the satometer just got um, <laughs> stars next to it because I think I need to create a graphic for that immediately. Thank you for sharing that, Gels. And I'm sorry to hear about that loss. Um, I And what you said, what you were saying made me want to go kind of back to be transparent with how I was talking and we've kind of touched on it but um one of the the reasons that I kind of got into this as you guys all know if you've listened and if you don't welcome um is that I kind of went through this blackout phase and that dealing with that for um my papa was the first time I had ever felt any kind of those emotions so then I kind of it me being mad about a find my friends thing is not necessarily a 27 year old Maddie situation um but it was very whenever you're feeling all those things for the first time and kind of trying to work through it um it's a little bit you know I mean you guys I'm sure you remember as well but I it was a lot of the times when I go back and refer to not the best ways I've handled things are when I was learning and I know we're always kind of learning um but I wanted to go back and touch on that because I do know that that is um it is a a a real thing and that's kind of how we were getting through it all together um but it was it was interesting that you that you had that experience with your with your grandma and kind of being able to be like how do I how do I support her now and then does she listen to the podcast forgive me if is she no, one of the ones that this listens one does not the so I have like three okay. grandmas the other two are avid listeners this nana I would say between like hearing aids and like her state of being I don't even know if she really could process what a podcast <laughs> is um but I know she would be very supportive if she was her like more younger healthy self Aww. but yeah it's one of those where it's like supporting her and like my aunts I know would have been like closer to him because it was their uncle versus me it's like great uncle kind of a dynamic I was gonna give her a, a shout out or a moment if she listened like I wasn't sure um I can I, pass it along to her <laughs> perfect please do let her know I'm thinking about her because I do know and even though it is like you said like it is the end of life it's the 91 like you're not collapsing in a puddle but it still is sad and especially for you know your grandma specifically so definitely thinking about um all of you guys and, and thinking of her as she kind of navigates this journey because I know that that's also no matter if she's expecting it or if it was time it's still very challenging and hard to grasp I imagine especially as you get older um, I feel like that's another like whole other bucket we could dip into sometime because that's also really scary um, but thank you for sharing and I'm sorry for the loss of with your family yeah agreed everything that Mads just said so well and something that I kind of wanted to bring as up as like kind of like a I guess thought that you can have with you, like kind of like therapist, like tidbit if of this anticipatory anxiety that we keep talking about um, is, and the way that she framed it for me was like, why would you want to go through the anxiety, like, or the stress twice? Like you are the only person that is making yourself go through it twice. Like, First of all, you don't even know when or if something is happening, so you can't control that. But if it does, and when it does, you will have to go through it at that time. So why are you going through the stress thinking about it now? It's almost like you're hitting yourself twice with it. And so that kind of like helped me reframe some of those anticipatory anxiety thoughts of just like, and with in general, not even just with loss, but just in terms of any anxiety of like, when you have 
maybe like a really intense meeting coming up or like a confrontation or something like that, having all of these like feelings leading up to it. And then you feel like maybe sometimes those things, events, experiences come and they're not as bad as you thought they were. And then you went through all of that anxiety for nothing because you could have just gone through the experience and it would have been okay. So I just think that kind of has helped reframe me in terms of like, thinking about losing somebody else. It's like, what good is it doing me to mentally get myself there today when they have no reason to? And when the time comes, yes, it'll be tough and I'll have to, you know, deal with it at that time. But I think it's driving me into a worse mental place to be trying to like mentally prepare or whatever my mind thinks it's doing by thinking about it. Totally agree. I feel like that reframe had like helped me a lot as well. And like, if it is the case where like, someone's declining, or like, you feel like something is more imminent, like the thing that I would tell people is like, you're gonna have like the rest of your life to be sad and mourn them. Like, don't waste these last X amount of days, like mourning them and stressing over what that's going to feel like before you have to like, you'll have time, there's no rush. And then to people who are just experiencing like general anxiety, like without an activity or an event prompting it. I feel like that's like, especially helpful of just like, well, I mean, any types of anxiety, not even grief related, like why go about it twice. Or the last little bit that I've, um, a friend shared with me recently from her therapist of something that's like, not grief related, but that's been like really weighing on her. The idea of like, and we've maybe talked about this before, like give yourself 30 minutes a day then to like stress about it, think about it, worry about it, dissect it, and then close that up like and just let yourself live for the rest of the 23 and a half hours of your day. And so if you have to, like it's weighing on you so much and you can't shut it off, like just give yourself a little, like put on your calendar, like stress about X thing and then move on with your day. And I think we've talked about this before too, but all those types of like mental reframing tricks, I feel like can help with this anxiety or anxiety of something bad happening. Wow, maybe you've said something similar and I just wasn't in the space to understand or grasp it, but I feel like that is such a good like tip. And it's also, I mean, it's what I do at work when I'm like stressed about something like a meeting or something, I'll put 30 minutes on the calendar to just prepare for it. And so like that is actually a really good way especially when I'm at the office or when I, like I, I work by the beach like what's stopping me from going and doing a walk there or a walk at the garden or just taking 30 minutes in my car or listening to a podcast to kind of stress about it instead of letting it dictate my whole day um so thank you and your friend for sharing that um I was I was listening to when when uh Kathy was talking kind of about the overall anxiety and my boss always always refers to it as me borrowing trouble which I also felt like that was like a fun way. And and she's somebody who necessarily doesn't have experience with having anxiety or like mental health, but I'll start talking to her about something. And she started it. It was, it was not, you know, five days into our relationship. It was about a year in and she was like, you borrow a lot of trouble. And by that, I mean, she meant like my anxiety, whether it be about a meeting or Kennedy not texting me back because she's in a meeting as well or something like that. She's kind of, as somebody who sees me every day and doesn't know me on like a personal level like you guys do, she can even notice it. And so I thought that was another interesting way to talk, to mention it. It's like, oh, you borrow trouble. And I keep I repeat it to myself and not in the way to lessen my anxiety or really like try to make myself feel better about it or say that it's not as important, but just kind of be like, you know, like the overall of like being able to pick. It is borrowing trouble that you don't necessarily need to have at this exact moment. Um, so that was it was a really interesting kind of different way of saying that, that that Kathy reminded me of that. Yeah, I think that's definitely and also always so funny when you think you're being like secretive kind of about your anxiety and then people who don't know you well are like, yo, I can <laughs> feel this, like you're stressed. I feel like that would happen to me a lot. I thought I'd hide it so well. Yeah. That you're borrowing trouble, I feel like is another like it's like the nice way yeah, to put it. Nice way to put it but yeah this all kind of ties together of like a big bag of anxiety you have anticipatory grief or anticipatory anxiety unless that's an oxymoron which it might be um and just trying to cycle through all the ways that like yes anyone can experience this but we know as grievers that 
once you see the really bad thing that can happen, it does just open up the what ifs and like opens that different dimension in your brain. And it, I think the, one of the morals of the story here is that it is important to talk about and not to feel shame about those feelings or be like, Ooh, like those are, those are pretty messed up. Those are pretty dark and they might be, but I definitely feel like if you can have somebody you can confide in, or hopefully like listening to this podcast, maybe can help you feel less alone as we always want. If you're having those kind of anxious thoughts, um, we definitely all clearly have felt that and are all actively trying to work on managing those anxieties and how those things come up. And then when bad things do come up, like seems like everyone is a little bit more equipped to dealing with the bad things. And that's like a bad side result of everything. But with that, appreciate you guys as always um, and being honest and letting me process a little bit too. Yeah, I, I- Absolutely. I want to make sure that I want to tell you guys that you can remind me um, next time I'm spiraling to just give myself 30 minutes to do so. And two, that I hope as we are talking about this, and thank you for processing with us on air, Kels, um, I hope that our audience, their shadow meter is not full right now. Um, I want to make sure that, you know, we circle back to the whole thing of the shadow meter because it still is like the starred <laughs> thing on my page. Um, but I wanted to make sure as we close out, I had to make one more joke about that moment. But um, I I appreciate you sharing and processing. And Kath, I'm glad we were able to dive a little bit more deeper into the thoughts that we were having in the last episode. Um, I love whenever we kind of spiral away from the topic and are able to kind of process and discuss on air, just like we're catching up. So um, I appreciate both of you guys' honesty and opening up this time. Thank you very much. Yes, the satometer now can be our check-in tool (laughs) of like, where are we on the satometer today, everybody? But yeah, hopefully, as always, we don't want to send everyone into a deep depression, but we do (laughs) want to make people feel included and know that like their crazy thoughts are actually crazy. Um, But very much appreciate you guys as always. And for all of our listeners, if you could share the episode with a friend or family member or someone who needs to hear it, follow us on Instagram, join the Facebook group, send us an email, leave a review, any of those (laughs) little things add up and make a difference. Um, But thank you. We appreciate you all for listening week after week. Bye. 